You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Does anyone else have anger they need to get out? <laughs> Maybe we can meet afterwards and just yell a little bit. <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, some of you that I can see, it's a little bright up here. Um, but uh, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful that you guys showed up this morning and that we get to worship together and that we get to continue this series that we've been doing, Elephant in the Room. And, uh, you know, Mark did such a great job last week on such a difficult topic. And I really appreciate all the thought, all the time and energy that went into that lesson. Hopefully you guys have had some good discussions about it. Um, And then the other two topics, politics and sex. All of these elephants in the room that we don't want to talk about, that we don't want to bring up in regular conversation or any kind of conversation Um, but uh, I I really appreciate Steve and Brian and just the way that they kind of pointed us to God in both of those subjects. Um, So today, we're going to talk about anger, and uh, I feel like I I got the the good end of this deal, um, (laughs) taking on this topic in this series. We have racism next week. Yeah, that'll that'll be a good one. Um. So I'll explain why I chose this topic in just a moment. Um, But I just wanted to let you guys know, um, just kind of updates. I got back from Costa Rica a couple weeks ago, which was a ton of fun. I went down there for for a surf trip with my best friend from Florida. And so my amazing wife sent me down there for my 30th birthday, which has not arrived yet. But it was an early birthday present. Um, And she took on all three kids for five days. Yeah. So thank you, baby. Um, and I love this, this concept uh, that the, the Ticos, the Costa Ricans use, Pura Vida. You guys heard of this? Pura Vida. And so I was doing some research. I'm like, I don't want to use it in the wrong context. <laughs> and so, but there's, like, you could use it in any conversation at any point in the conversation. And it would fit. It can be a hello. Hey, how's it going? Pura Vida. See you later. Pura Vida. Um, it can, I mean, it can really describe anything, but we were staying at this hotel the first night and the fourth night we were there, and the family that owns this hotel, they're Christians, and they, they saw I was wearing like a winter retreat shirt, and they're like, are you guys Christians in broken English and Spanish? And so we were talking about it, and that he, he explained more, like for Christians, that phrase means so much more, pura vida. People throw it around all the time, and it, it, maybe it'll boost your spirit in the moment. But for Christians, it's, it truly should be this, this uh, whatever, whatever just happened in the moment behind me or in the past, it's in the past. And I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can be present in the moment. I can enjoy right now with you, whoever you're with. And it's just this pura vida, pure life, like, don't worry about the past. Enjoy right now. And I was like, wow, that's so profound. As Christians, that's so often not my mindset. 
I'm like, let's bring the past and let's put it right in front of us and let it be the present again. Um, but I, I thought of this in terms of, of anger because so much of our anger can be uh, just directed right in the moment or from something in the past. Or, but this concept of pura vida, you know what? No worries. I'm going to enjoy right now. Um, so for those of you who don't know, my wife and I, we, Catherine over here, my name is Dustin, we lead the youth ministry here in uh, South Bay, and we, uh, yes, we thank you guys, we, we love what we do, we love the youth, and, um, and so I just wanted to, in case you didn't know who we were, who's this guy standing up here? So why did I cho choose anger for the topic? Luckily, I, I got the email in. Uh, before most, so I got anger. <laughs> um, but anger is very much a part of, of who I am. And from a young age, I was a very defensive child, prideful child. I would, I would argue with my parents about anything. And obviously, it's not a good thing. I was so disrespectful, but I just like, I'm angry, and I have the right to be angry, and you're wrong, and I'm right, and and so I, I speak, on, uh, unfortunately, from experience. And, and so as the years went on, you know, other things, there's more and more things to get angry about as you get older. And in, in the campus ministry and when I was out here in the singles, I, I really was going after my, my road rage and just getting angry in traffic. And when you're in L.A., like, you really got to work on it in L.A. I'm like, okay, this is not going to control me. Um, and so I, I started to get a grip on my anger and just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to let this bother. This, this person cuts me off, whatever. Like, they must be in a hurry. And so I was like, amen, like, this isn't controlling me anymore. And then I got married. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I'll, I'll explain this in a minute. Um, but... But just another opportunity for Satan to dig in and, and dig his heels in, in that anger. And so I started to see it coming up more in just our conversations. Like, what did you mean by that? Huh? I, I feel disrespected right now. And so I started to see my childlike sin and nature coming out again when I got married. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is supposed to get better. I'm not supposed to be a toddler anymore. And then I had kids. And oh my gosh, that's just like, oh man, if, if, you, uh, if you think you're patient, try having kids. Maybe, maybe this has been a, a weakness turned into a strength for you. Um, but one kid, two kids, and then three kids, and uh, oh my gosh, just plenty of opportunities to just act in that moment and, and uh, just give, give control to the anger. So this is why I chose this topic, because I, I knew... Man, I really need to study this out more. But I was a little fearful of what was going to happen the week leading up to today and what opportunities of, uh, of learning God was going to give me. Um, but why is anger an elephant in the room? All these other elephants, they're things that we don't want to acknowledge. They're there. But we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge it. And for so many of us, I think anger is one of those things. And we don't talk about it enough. Or maybe we deny it. Maybe we downplay it. Or maybe we just give it a softer name. Yeah. Like irritation. Yeah. Or frustration. Yeah. 
or annoyance. But let's call it what it is. It's anger. And it's a big old elephant in the room. And it's going to destroy everyone and everything in the room if we don't acknowledge it and deal with it. Married, it's an elephant in the room. Behind closed doors, at your house, yelling back and forth at each other, storming off into another room or out of the house altogether. Sometimes when it really gets bad, maybe throwing out the D word, talking about divorce. Maybe you're angry at God because of the state of your marriage. Families, parents, we get angry at our kids. They do things that are so foolish. Just like, oh, didn't you think before you did that? How many times have I told you we can act out in that in that split second of anger. Parents, maybe you're angry at God because prayers were not answered yet with your kids and what they're going through. Maybe they've made some decisions that you, you'd rather not them make and, and it's leading them down a path of destruction. Maybe you're angry at God. You're just like, man, I did all the right things. Why is this happening? Singles. Plenty of opportunities with roommates. I remember living with roommates. One household was much better than the other. Um, In traffic, at work, maybe you're angry at God because you're like, when is that one going to come along? How long do I have to wait? I just want to get married. Teens, we know you guys get angry. At your parents, your siblings, because I was in your shoes one time. And, and a lot of the anger happens behind closed doors. And then we show up to church and we have a smile on our face. You know, we have like that scream that I had off stage. We have that before we leave the house. And then we show up and we're like, it's all good. <laughs> but anger, anger is definitely an elephant in the room and we got to talk about it. Let's pray. And we'll get into it a little bit more. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to come worship you each Sunday, that we get to worship you every day, every moment of the day. God, thank you that we can come together and remember Jesus. That is why we're here, because of what you did for us on the cross. Um, I pray that, that you would speak through me right now. I pray that you would help us to uh, really figure out this anger elephant that's in the room. Um, and God, I pray that you would be honored. We love you and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So what comes to mind when you think of anger? You don't have to throw any answers out. Just rhetorically. Think about it. What comes to mind when you think of anger? Driving. (laughs) Maybe it's the other elephants in the room. Politics. Man, you got that person that talks about politics all day long, and you're just like, if you say another word about politics. (laughs) Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's anger at your own sin or anger at just all those facts that Mark laid out and just the industry in general. Maybe it's angry at sex, that topic, and I want it, or I'm hurt by what has happened in the past because of it. Traffic your kids, your job. There's also uh, um, hunger anger. Hangry. (laughs) Guys, you know what I'm talking about. 
Hangry is a real issue. <laughs> Teens, maybe it's insane amounts of homework, and man, you got some choice words for your teachers. Injustice. Maybe you're a sore, a sore loser, and losing triggers that anger. I know that was uh, an issue for me. So maybe something doesn't come to mind, but maybe someone comes to mind. Someone that has hurt you with their anger, or someone that you've hurt with your anger. Your spouse, your children, uh, parents, brothers and sisters, grandparents, boyfriends and girlfriends, best friends. When we say things in the moment that we don't mean, and man, it's just destructive. Anger is often a wicked feeling that wreaks havoc in our lives. Many of you probably wish you could just get rid of your, your rage and your anger. You're sick of being angry. I know I felt that way. I just don't want to be an angry person. But before we go on this mission to get rid of our anger or just give up hope altogether, let's see what God has to say about anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says in verse 26, Be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the, the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Be angry. Are you kidding me? Is this really in the Bible? Be angry. You know, I, I feel like, I feel like that just kind of sums up my lesson. Like I really got the good deal on this one. Be angry. Have a nice day, guys. But wait. What else does it say? And yet do not sin. See, I don't know how to be angry and not sin. Because my anger has, from what I can remember, always been sin. And so how can we achieve this? To be angry and still not sin. Brothers and sisters... Anger is not the issue. What we do with our anger, that's when we get into trouble. God has a plan for our anger. It's not to completely eradicate our anger or he would have said, don't, don't be angry. He wants us to channel our anger, to produce life rather than death. And my hope in our time together today is that by looking at God, we can learn how to channel our anger how to honor him in our anger, how to be angry and yet, not, uh, and yet not sin. There's an interesting fact about anger. It's a secondary emotion. There is a primary uh, emotion that sparks our anger, and that primary emotion is love. True love is love that is moved to deal with and attack anything that threatens something that you love. It's ang anger is love in motion. That gives me a whole new understanding, a whole new outlook on my anger. Anger exists because love exists. So what makes you most angry? What makes you most angry? The answer to this question, what makes you most angry, or the answers... I'm willing to bet that those are the things you love the most. 
or the people you love the most? What makes you most angry? I have two points for us today. The first is anger that destroys. Anger that destroys is this elephant in the room that we're talking about. It's the anger that, that's the sin form of anger. It's, a, it's an anger that just, it destroys anything in its path. And then the second point is anger that heals. This is the anger that is void of sin. It's the anger that brings life. It's the anger that heals that, uh, rather than destroys. So the first point, anger that destroys. I like this picture. Maybe this is you <laughs> sitting at your, uh, at your desk at work. But within anger that destroys, we have two different categories. And the first, it's no anger at all. When there's a cause for anger, a righteous cause for anger, and yet you don't have anger, that's destructive. Your love, it's disordered, and therefore your anger is disordered. You're not angry when you absolutely should be. You have this whatever attitude towards things that you should be jumping out of your chair to protect. No anger will turn your heart into a dry, arid wasteland. It will dry out and destroy the good things around you as well. No anger will bring destruction. But the second is this blowing up anger. We'll just shorten it to blow anger. No anger and blow anger. This is the rage, the temper tantrums, the angry outbursts. If no anger is this drying up uh, effect then blow anger destroys by flooding a place. Everything is all good in one moment, and then there's a flood of anger. Something triggers you, and you just destroy everything in your past. The conversation is over. You're out of there. You just said some words that will last forever. It destroys you. It destroys your relationships. It destroys your ability to discern and choose right from wrong. It totally distorts our reality. In an instant, you become a different person. Are you guys thinking of anyone? Who's that? Yourself? What about the Incredible Hulk? Yeah, we'll lighten the mood a little bit. You don't have to think about yourself in your anger. The Incredible Hulk. You won't like me when I'm angry. Maybe that is a motto that people have for you or you have for yourself. But let's just look at the Incredible Hulk for a sec. You won't like me when I'm angry. Oh, if, if you trigger me, it's about to go down. But I, I like to, uh, I want to look at this guy, the Credible Hulk. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm angry because I always back up my rage with facts and documented sources. <laughs> maybe that's you maybe you can relate like yeah my anger I like totally rational you want proof I, I can tell you why I'm angry but in the moment there are plenty of rational explanations for our anger but to everyone else you're just crazy and unstable <laughs> your actions and your words are so irrational and over the top but again, 
Anger distorts our reality. It distorts our wisdom, our intellect, our love for others. You know, there was, <clears throat> there was a time, that, I mean, there have been times that, that Catherine and I have gotten angry at each other, probably more so me than her, I know. Uh, I know. Um, believe it. Um, but there was this one time in particular, we were still living in Long Beach, and the, the thing about these, these angry moments is you don't often remember what they're about, and I don't remember what we were arguing about. But it got to a point where, I mean, it was just kind of some raising the voice as we're, like, getting ready, and, like, sh I think she was about to leave. And so we're kind of raising our voice at each other again. I forget what we were angry about, but then it just escalates and escalates, and, and we are, like, full-on screaming at each other. And she is, like, by the back door, and... And she, she had, like, Zeke in her hand. I'm like, you're not taking Zeke. He's staying here. And we're, now we're, like, turning our anger and, like, involving our baby boy. <laughs> no, I'm taking you. No, you're leaving him here. Don't you walk out that door with Zeke. Oh, my gosh. And it just escalated to this point. And then at, at some moment, it just kind of all stopped. And we're just like, whoa, this is really bad. What just happened? Where did, where did that come from? But that's what happens when we, when we react in that moment. You triggered me. Well, this is what I'm going to do right now. We lose track of reality. In Genesis chapter 4, it says, uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. I guess we're starting in verse 3. <laughs> we're going to look at someone who, um, just a, a very obvious example of this anger that destroys. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the, the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Cain, he felt anger. He felt angry. But it doesn't appear that he had sinned yet. Because God intervened. And he said, sin is crouching at your door, which makes me believe that that anger hadn't been directed in, in, in sin yet. But what a cool situation that God comes and talks to him directly. Hey, hey, this is, I, I know what you're feeling, and... I, I can see what you're about to do, and sin is crouching at your door, but you must rule over it. Don't let Satan have a foothold. Unfortunately, what did Cain do? He went straight over to the door. He grabbed the sin and said, let's go do some work. He had that moment between temptation and sin where God told him exactly what he needed to do to be able to control his emotions. But instead of ruling his anger, he let his anger rule him. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, it says, Fools give full vent to their rage, 
full vent to their rage. I, I just saw that word vent, and I thought of like an air vent. And, you know, you're, you know, especially on a hot day, and you're like feeling stuffy in your car, but the AC is on, like, what the heck? Oh, the vent's shut. Who shut the vent? And then it blows on you, full vent. But we can do that with our anger. I'm not even going to bridle this anger at all. I'm just going to open up the vent. Here's my anger. But I see this play out in the mornings sometimes at my house. And I mentioned this, uh, I think, a couple months back, talking about Goliath and the Goliaths in our life. And, and we defeat Goliath when we're not actually in the battle with him. And some of my Goliaths can be my kids at times. I love them to death. But if I'm not in the right state of mind, if I'm, if I'm not connected to God... I will view them as Goliaths and I'll just have this kind of angry attitude and just like, oh, like, what an inconvenience. You wet the bed again. Jeez. Like, and so in the morning, if I haven't taken the time to get up early and spend time with God and, and before my kids get up, I'm just walking around the house with my emotions on my sleeve. I might, I, not, I might not be running around the house in rage. That doesn't happen. But, but I'm like, man, I want, I want my wife and I want my kids to know that I am not happy right now. And that can be a full vent of our rage that's going on inside. But what about you? How do you give full vent to your rage? Is it external or is it hidden inside? I know I've certainly had internal fits of rage that were probably just as destructive to me and the person that I was aiming my anger at in those thoughts. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18, it says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. How do we respond when someone gets angry with us? When someone reacts in anger? I know I typically respond in anger too. I'm feeling attacked. Uh-uh, you're not going to attack me. I'm putting up my guard. We were in a marriage class one, years back. So when, when, when we react in that moment, it's like, it's like we get into a tank. And we aim that gun straight at our spouse or straight at the person where our anger is directed. And they're like, well, you have a gun pointed at me, so of course I'm going to get in my tank and point my gun at you too, because I want to protect myself. When we react in anger, we stir up strife with each other. When we give full vent to our anger, when we're this hot-tempered person who stirs up strife, when we have no anger or blow anger, our anger is disordered. Our anger is disordered because our love is disordered. We're loving things and people above God. Unrighteous anger, and it will so quickly reveal the idols in your life, the things that you are putting above God, that you love more than God. I want to throw out an angry trigger um, that, yes, did happen to me recently. Driver cuts you off. You honk as you slam on your brakes because I needed to slam on my brakes so I wouldn't hit her. And then they flip you off. You feel angry. If you respond immediately, 
you'll likely point your anger directly at them and have a field day with choice words, thoughts, or tailing them in full vent of your anger. But what is being threatened that's so important to you in that moment? Your ego. You are being threatened. Your pride. It's about you. Your dignity. How dare you disrespect me and cut me off? Didn't you see me there? You're loving you in that moment and you're getting angry because your pride just got threatened. Another angry trigger. Parents, you have a kid who's acting like a fool. <laughs> acting a fool. Never, never. We have perfect children here, right? And we fear they're going to do something stupid that's really going to affect the course of their life. If we respond immediately in that moment to whatever foolish choice they made, we are likely attacking our child. It might seem like they need it in the moment. It might, we might justify it and say, you know what, they need to learn the hard way. They need that tough love. But look at James chapter 1, verse 19. James 1, verse 19. It says, But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Whenever I've read this scripture in the past, I look at it and I'm like, Okay, so when I am angry, I am not able to be righteous. It doesn't produce righteousness in me. But I was reading parenting or shepherding a child's heart. And in the discipline chapter, like, man, how do we discipline our kids in a godly way? There's a section that talks about disciplining your kids in your anger or with a temper. And this is the scripture they referred to. Your anger in that moment will not produce righteousness in your kid's life. That blew my mind. It's not about me. Am I limiting... By my anger, other people around me being able to achieve this righteousness that God desires. So in our anger, how can we help achieve this righteousness that God so desires for each one of us? Point number two, anger that heals. Anger that heals. We talked about no anger and below anger, this drying up of your heart or this flooding and just destroying everything in your path with your anger. Anger that heals is slow anger. This anger will produce righteousness. This anger will produce life. And this anger, we're going to talk about channeling our anger. To have slow anger, you need to channel it. And when, when I was thinking of channeling, I thought about water. And it reminded me, you know, the, the, the mind just goes like to a 50 different places at once. It reminded me of a documentary I was watching about Joseph's waterway over in Egypt. And back in about between 1850 and 1650 B.C., Joseph oversaw the construction of a canal, a waterway over in Egypt, so that during the seasons, when a branch of the Nile would dry up 
and would restrict water coming into that area of land, you know, they, they couldn't grow crops at that time. So he built this waterway that kind of went around this branch that would dry up so that they would always have water coming in from the Nile. And the amazing thing about this is that back in like the 1980s, it, it still existed, but they just weren't really using it. They had let it kind of crumble. And so they reconstructed it. And it's still being used today to bring life to this land. What, what is that, like 3,600 years of channeling this water and bringing life, producing life. That is what our anger can do when it's slow. When we don't react in that moment, it can produce life for years and years and years to come. So no anger. Again, it's this dried up wasteland. I just don't even care. I don't even love that thing or that person enough to even get angry at them. Below anger, it floods and levels the place, but slow anger, it's purposeful. It's precise. It seeks to heal and produce life while eradicating any threat to life. And Jesus models this slow anger for us so perfectly. In John chapter 2, oh, there's the uh, waterway of Joseph today. Pretty awesome. John chapter 2. It says in verse 14, And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. The oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house into a place of business. And so we have this moment. Jesus and you know he's angry right now. And I love it because I'm like, man, if Jesus can be angry like this, I can too. To be angry at the right things for the right reasons. He comes in and he sees this sickening situation. He sees people just distorting other people's relationship with God and, and their, their ability to worship and he was so sickened by it. And he, he was angry, but he didn't react in the moment. He didn't have this, like, guns blazing, I'm just going to level the place kind of anger. Although he did do that with the tables and stuff. But he made this, this uh, whip. And I just, I don't know, but I just wonder what he was thinking about when he was making that whip. I bet he was reminded of who the real enemy is. You know, these money changers and all these people that are, that are turning his father's house into a place of business. He could have directed his anger right at them and attacked those people. But I bet that in that time in making the whip, he was thinking about the devil. This isn't, this isn't them. This is the devil's work. In Ephesians... Chapter 4, we already read this, but I want to come back to it. It says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. That word sin in the Greek, who knows it? Miss the mark. Miss the mark. So what is, what is God telling us? Sin, you miss the mark. Be angry and yet do not 
miss the mark. Okay, so we're aiming our anger at something. God says, be angry, but make sure you don't miss the right target. And that mark, that target is Satan. It's his evil schemes. You know, we were just recently at a memorial service for a friend of Catherine's that, that just recently passed away, uh, a friend from campus ministry, young guy, incredible person, died. And when people die, especially unexpectedly, you, you start asking questions and you start wondering, is there something that I could have done? Is there something that someone else did that caused this? Like, we just want to put blame somewhere, right? And we might feel angry, we might feel sad, and we want to direct those emotions at something or someone. And, uh, and Brian, uh, my father-in-law, he had this devotional, and one of his points was that there is always someone to blame, and that someone is Satan. And that gives me such comfort, because I do want to put my, my, my blame somewhere. I do want to put my anger somewhere. Okay, who do I put? Oh, the devil. And yet our reality gets distorted and we think it's someone rather than the devil himself. God says, be angry and point that anger straight at Satan and don't miss. But hitting the mark, it takes time and it takes slow, careful aim. I think of a bow and arrow. And you're, I mean, you're not just like firing away like that. And you're, you're drawing that back. You might hold it for a sec. Slow, careful aim. Make sure you hit your mark. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. We read this already. This is a different version. A wise man holds it back. This word for holds, it means to soothe or pacify. I think of a pacifier because we got pacifiers all over our house. <laughs> and think of like a grown person, one of you, and you're, oh, something just triggered me, and you're about to react, and then someone throws a binky in your mouth. <laughs> and you're forced to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And just for that split moment, it might take you back to reality. If you just wait a second, pacify yourself. Pacify that anger. A wise man holds it back. Psalm verse one, uh, verse, or char sorry, chapter 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. God's anger is his slow, direct, calculated response to our sin. You think about Jesus' life on earth. He spent 33 years here, a three-year ministry. He dealt with threats to his life all the time. He was disrespected all the time. Dealt with so many people who had disordered love, disordered anger. Many didn't believe him. He was physically, spiritually, and emotionally tortured and tormented. It was a long, dark, scary, painful road to Calvary. Did he level the place with a flood of anger? No, he didn't. Did he pull back his anger and think, you know what, forget it. These people don't even love me anyway. What's the use? 
He didn't do either of these things because his anger was slow. It was methodical. It was loving. Remember that anger is a secondary uh, emotion to love. And it's revealed when something that we love is threatened. We were threatened by the destruction of sin. Jesus aimed his anger right at our sin to destroy it but save us. When we lashed out at him, he spoke a gentle word about us. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is Jesus' slow anger. Angry enough to take up our sin on the cross. Angry at the devil and angry at the sin that was eating away at our life. And yet didn't respond to us and attack us, but responded to sin. And in his time with his father, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Their reality, it's distorted. They're attacking me. And they just don't understand who they should be attacking. Forgive them. You know, this reminds me of uh, a line out of Betty's song, You Are My Everything. And I was, I was thinking about this song while I was up in Ventura and I was praying on the beach at, at one of our retreats recently. And I was praying about my kids and just being a patient father. And, and I thought of this line. It says, you hold my heart in your hand. Speak to me tenderly. And as a parent, you very much hold your kid's heart in your hand. You are their everything. And in that moment when your anger is triggered, when they do something that they shouldn't have done, or they speak a disrespectful word back to you, whatever it is, you can react and have this anger that destroys and crush their heart in that moment. Or you can, like Jesus, they, they don't know what they're doing, and speak to them tenderly. We can do this with each other. And when, when you love someone a lot, when someone loves you a lot, any of us in this room, any relationships, we allow each other to hold our hearts in our hands. And we can react and crush each other's spirits, crush each other's hearts, bring pain and destruction, or we can speak tenderly and bring life. I have a few practicals to close it out. When you feel that trigger... When you feel like, man, I just want to react right now, wait. Wait. Enlarge the gap between whatever triggered you and your response. And in that gap, take time to analyze. Why am I so angry? What am I truly angry at? Is it this person in front of me or is it, is it at a sin? Is it at something that Satan just twisted up? What should I be angry at? Should I be angry at the person and bring damage and destruction? Or should I be angry at sin and, be, and bring healing? The third is pray and forgive. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be tender hearted and forgive one another. I was reading in this book called Why Revival Tarries. And it says prayer makes the soul tender. Be tender-hearted and forgive one another. Go to God. Um, and Proverbs chapter 19, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Let's pray 
for one another. Let's talk to God like Jesus spoke and said, they don't know what they're doing. I know that this just hurt me and it felt like it was directed at me, but they didn't mean it, and I forgive them. They probably didn't know what they were doing. Number four, talk about it. We all have different perspectives. We can help each other see more clearly and get back to reality. Let's talk about what's going on behind closed doors. The anger that's happening in our houses, at our works, in our cars. Let's get other people's perspectives so that we can help, uh, help channel this anger. And the fifth is channel anger or channel it. Oh, can you pull that last slide? Thank you. Um, be angry and yet do not sin. Just like the waterway that's been around for 3,600 years and is still bringing life, that what we do now and the slow anger that we have right now as we channel it towards the devil and the life that it can produce for years and years and years to come. Brothers and sisters, we get to go from here and be angry. That's awesome. <laughs> but let's be responsible with our anger. It's got to be like God's anger, slow and aimed at the devil. Amen. With this kind of anger, God will bring healing and produce life in our marriages, in our relationships, in our community, in the South Bay family that we have right here. I love you guys. Have a great Sunday. I think we're, uh, Brian's coming up. Nice. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.